Welcome to the Middle of the Road family with Tabby Pittman, Alex Bernard Rasmussen, person busy doing show prep, Catherine Brandt, sitting <laughs> for Andy, Cassie Schrader, and Mike Bryant. Honest to God, what a, what a crew. God, I'm so glad I've been in radio for 51 years. It's just such a thrill for him. You know what I mean? In any case, we'll be right back and kick things off with the family. Mike Bryant. So I'm driving down the road as I'm heading over here and get to a light, and there's a guy going by with his cell phone in his hand, or in his hand. He's talking away uh-huh. as he's driving. It is amazing how much and you see I, that. And I honk. And he looks at me, and I get my hand up, like, and then he waves at me, and he stops, and then I point at my holder for my cell phone, and then he gets a mad look, and he drives away quickly. <laughs> well, you gotta get the cell phones out of your hand because you drive slower, you don't pay attention, and it's yep. very dangerous. Plus, I honk at you and give you the hands-free signal. So, <laughs> that's what more it. could you ask for? That's all I have to say. Mm-hmm. Bradshaw and Bryant. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Tommy, I never believed it until now, but apparently you're a pretty big deal. Was there ever a question in your mind? Well, you might say I was a doubting Thomas. See what I did there? Yes, how incredibly clever. Anyway, what's your point? Well, last month I was trying to find you a car to replace the Mafia Mobile and suggested leasing a Nissan Altima as it was impossible to find your first choice. I love that Altima, and I'm actually looking forward to checking out the all-wheel drive as soon as it's known. Well, apparently someone at Nissan was listening to us, and at this month, at Coon Rapids Nissan and Burnsville Nissan, we can offer short-term 18-month leases. That's actually pretty smart. By then, the chip shortage will be over, right? Man, I hope so. The only chip shortage I want to hear about is Bilski dumping one into the bunker. By the way, for the first time ever, Coon Rapids Nissan was number one in the state, and Burnsville was number two. Your Altima was actually one of the cars that put J-Lo on top. To learn more about short-term leasing, stop into Burnsville Nissan or Coon Rapids Nissan. Tom here, and I'm talking with Brad Huckle and Mike Bilski of North American Banking Company. We've talked before about how working with a community bank like North American Banking Company can benefit business owners. Do you have an example you could share with our listener? Our customers at Homeco Insulation and Blaine have been banking with a big bank for many years, but suddenly their calls weren't getting returned and their banker was unresponsive to their business needs. You can imagine their frustration. They had a successful business, wanted to expand, and their bank cut them off. They were ready to move on from their big bank. When they were referred to us, we knew they wanted to work with a community bank that would be responsive and would take the time to understand their business and its needs. That sounds like a perfect fit. I know it can always reach out and not only talk to an actual person, but I'm talking to an experienced lender. They've told us the same thing, Tommy. Look, I know Brad and Mike, and I trust them with my banking. My whole family does. So why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience, member FDIC, and equal housing. Lender. You all. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. A little news, a little information. So, what's the latest? Anything good happening in the news? Because I couldn't find it. Let's see. Good happening in the news. They got some. Is is the um, is the Winter Carnival going on in St. Paul right now? Yeah, I was supposed to go yesterday on Saturday, and it didn't work hmm. out and i'm sad because i was excited about well, i tried to make a happy story thanks for bringing <coughs> it down sorry, there, sorry. alex sorry so, dragging sorry. it right down alex don't worry about a thing we do, have our, we do have our guest barry on the line nice barry minko ladies and gentlemen king of the con a three-part series that exposes barry minko as one of the most unbelievable con men to ever exist king of the con is streaming on discovery plus starting friday of course a couple of weeks ago now well 17 days ago now actually uh did we we still have them yeah i believe so Oh, because I just heard a disconnect there. Yeah. Barry, how you doing? Is he there? No, he's really not good, Tom. I heard him drop off. <laughs> oh, okay. I'll try yeah, to I heard him, him drop off. <laughs> okay. It's beginning not to feel deal. like a Monday. Mm-hmm. He conned you into saying that he was on the phone, <laughs> didn't he? Huh? Hey. This is one of we we had him on the morning show. We had Barry on the morning show, and uh, I discovered I was one of the people that actually watched his show. Oh, <laughs> back okay. Back watching con men. Works he's back. I, you're, oh, he's here? No, I'm going to see if he'll oh. call back. Your interview with the guy from Arthur was really good today. The guy, Oh, God, he is such a good guy, isn't yeah. he? You know Arthur, Alex, the... Uh, children's the, books. The children's books. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love oh. Arthur. 
we had Mark on the show today. He is such a nice man. He's the nicest guy. Is he the guy, guy that plays Arthur? No, he's the one who wrote it. The one who wrote it. Cool. And he told this story of when he met with Mr. Rogers. Oh and Mr. God. Rogers oh. is like oh sitting God. on the couch and he walks in and, and tells him, I've been waiting for you. You know, like in the Mr. Rogers voice, <laughs> yeah. not in the whatever that was. You're sounding creepy. Yeah, you're sounding been waiting for you. He escaped with his life. Yeah, yours was creepy. I know. That's why I'm calling him Ladies and gentlemen, Barry Minko with us. How you doing, Barry? Hello. Oh, Barry. I hear him. He dropped again. There we go. Oh, you are there. I need a little more volume from Barry, and that will get it done, no question about it. I talked to Barry, got, I guess, two, three weeks ago, something like that, on a morning show and had a nice conversation. Remember that? I am. I can't believe you called me back. It's like a, you know, a, a, a satisfied carpet cleaning customer calling and saying, "Come clean my sofa." What could be better than this? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, you still got it, Barry. You still got it. That's all I have to say. Barry Minko, M-I-N-K-O-W, King of the Con, a three-part series that exposes Barry Minko as one of the most unbelievable con men to ever exist. King of the Con is streaming on Discovery Plus starting Friday, uh, a few weeks ago, a couple, of, well, two and a half weeks ago now. So, I love this. Barry Minko, the swindling con man himself. <laughs> Is that your new title, Barry? Uh, you know, somewhere in there, there's a compliment, but keep going. You're doing okay so far. <laughs> Okay, so, so far we got the compliment. Barry is a former American businessman, pastor, convicted felon. While still in high school, he founded, is it 4Z or just ZZZZ? 4Z Best, right? Uh, no, no, it's Z-Best. It, yeah, yeah, it's just Z-Best, pronounced Z-Best. Oh, just Z-Best, okay. Okay. It's appeared to be an immensely successful yep, yep, carpet yep. cleaning and restoration company. However, it's actually a front to attract investment for a massive Ponzi scheme. So now I need to stop talking. we got to hear the story right from you, Barry, because it's a great story. Well, yeah, and listen, it's a cautionary tale on the one hand, and on the other hand, it's a inspirational story for those of us, and this doesn't relate to you and, and maybe even many in your audience, but there's a percentage of people out there uh, that have struggled with addiction, been in and out of prison, violated positions of trust, and here's a good one, lie to get money. That was my big one um, mm-hmm. for years. And um, so I did 15 years in prison, so they don't have to, and my go- my goal of doing the uh, Discovery series, uh, the docu-series, was just kind of to say, it, you know, listen, I betrayed God. I was a pastor. I had a double life going on, um, liar and a thief, went to jail uh, and deserved it and deserved it more than actually what I got. But uh, if I could come back from that, how much more can you? Um, you haven't done that kind of evil, and yet there is hope for me. So the, how much more is there hope for others who are struggling with addiction or uh, find themselves in bankruptcy or or just just in and out of prison and just feel like there's, uh, you know, no no hope. And I just wanted to give hope. On the other side, it's a tale of if you lie to get money and you place your feet on that path, uh, it has one ultimate just destination. It's only a matter of time. It's called federal prison. So I, I don't do it. And I did it twice. Some people are slow learners. And so on the one hand, cautionary tale, on, and, and how we rationalize and, and justify our behavior when we're doing it. For example, while I was pastoring a church, hey, the church was growing, uh, the, the budget was growing, uh, and I was uncovering fraud. Look, 60 Minutes both filed me, and I was undercover for the FBI and a billion dollars in fraud. So they're not paying me, so I deserve to use information I get from the government and trade illegally on it. I deserve to commingle funds. As long as I pay it back and nobody gets hurt, everything's going to be okay. And you look in the newspaper last week and you see the Elizabeth Holmes story and you say, all she was doing was buying time until that mini lab worked. And then everybody would be okay. Everybody would get paid back. So Mm -hmm. all she did, and you look at the evidence in that case, it's just my case. And, And I'm not justifying it. I'm just saying that's the rationale we who perpetrate fraud use so that we can sleep at night. I'm kind of surprised the way you described yourself, you know, uh, lying for money and all the rest of it. You never got into radio. Mm-hmm. Anyway, moving forward. Thank you very much. Barry, yeah. when I was... When Listen, I, was, no, I had a great... Oh. Listen, I, was, I was in radio doing, like, a consumer <laughs> hotline show years ago on, on something called the Business New Net News Network. They had, like, no clears. Like, we were in Tipton, Georgia or something, but that was it. But it was a lot of fun. 
But that was when I was I first heard you. Remember, I told you I listened to that. That's right. That's right. Yeah. How how much do you still? But you, you know, in radio, you've got to you've got to be smart. So. <laughs> no, you don't actually. Go ahead, Michael. Sorry, Barry. How much do you still owe in restitution? So here's the deal. The government's great this way. Uh, Lenar has actually two judgments. So if you were to put them together, it's over a billion dollars, but it's for the same thing. So Lenar never accused me, to their credit, nor did the government, of running a Ponzi scheme. They just said, I hurt the market value of their stock. So the $560 million restitution order is not cash they gave me. They never claimed that. It was that my report that I submitted on Lenar caused their stock to drop a couple points. It recovered a couple days later. So it was market value loss. And it's about $3 million with the church, a little better, and a, a big chunk of that is IRS. So I have two restitution orders that I pay every month in addition to the IRS, in addition to the Franchise Tax Board. Let me say this. The federal government and the United States Probation Office is tenacious in restitution yeah. on the federal side. So it's a, if you don't pay, you go back to prison, and for another couple months I'm still on probation, but uh, so I've been paying, and actually a little bit ahead on one of the restitution orders. But no, it's it's something that we take very seriously, and I agree with them. Without restitution, there really isn't any you know true repentance. And Lenard didn't lose the cash, so they're not tripping. Uh, the church thing is the one I'm really focusing on, and even after I'm off probation, we'll continue to pay uh, monthly payments. But you know, you got to remember, you have some guys that say, "I did my time. I'm not paying them nothing." That's not me. But I've met a lot of people in prison say, hey, I did eight Super Bowls in prison. Uh, that, that's all they're getting from me. I'm not giving them nothing. They can't be put, put me back in the jail for not uh, paying. So that's not the attitude I have. I realize that any financial crime must be accompanied by restitution. And I agree with the probation office and the government in that regard that white-collar victims need to be paid back to the extent that that's possible. What do you think of that, Michael? Interesting. Yeah, I was reading about that. That you had that. So so if that's part of your probation and your probation's getting close, do you have, is there a plan on how they're going to deal with that? We're in court right now doing exactly that. Yeah. We, are, okay. uh, we are proactive in that. We're going to continue restitution. Continue restitution. Here's the thing. The way I look at it, it's, it's, um, it's a material amount of money every month. It's the right thing to do. It's such a good example. So I have four different people I pay every month. State Franchise Tax Board, and that's for past taxes, not current. IRS, past taxes. Lenar, past, you know, crime that I served time for. The church that I served time for. So we're going to continue, even after probation, to make these payments every single month. And by the way, that's exactly what I did in the ZBES case. I was paying Union Bank for 20 straight years. Remember, I was out 16 years. Every month I paid you. Every month I paid Union Bank, and I was not on uh, probation. So they were the last remaining victim of the ZBES crime. So uh, restitution is important; got to be done. And uh, I, I, I really believe that the the victim is entitled to at least your best efforts in that regard. What do you think of that, Michael? Yeah, well, sounds good. Michael, here's the, here's the other thing. <laughs> Michael, the government doesn't want to make a disincentive for you to earn money. They oh, want sure. you to do real well. Oh, absolutely. And then, you can, and then you can pay more restitution. So mm-hmm. they, don't, they want to give you an incentive to earn. They're not going to take everything. They're going to be fair. But they also want to make sure you're making uh, a material reduction. So even in any endeavor I do, uh, the government or the restitution is a part of that. <laughs> they become goes equal to, partners. Goes that. So uh, I'm grateful for the opportunity. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah, that makes total sense. That's always been a question you've had, Tom. Because I mean, we've run into some shady characters in our no, time. Oh, not me. And um, your your big question was always: they put so much people put so much effort into defrauding people and lying, and if they just did it the straight way, so oh, to speak. What a great point. Um, they would have made probably yeah, even let, more let, money and not yeah. have burned bridges yeah. and maybe gone to jail and get sued and everything else that happens. Yeah, but there's no rush in that. Let me tell you how right you are. I'm in the L.A. federal courthouse. It was after the Z-Best case. And the IRS agent, criminal IRS agent, Paul Davis, said to me and said, Barry, 
you created 22,000 fraudulent documents to fool the auditors and promulgate the ZBES fraud. If only you had taken that time, energy, and effort and put it into the legitimate business, who knows what you could have done. You are so right, and that's one of the things I try to get across to people, that the mental energy, time, manipulation, and effort that it takes to lie to get money, you cannot lie to get money and do it legit and, and sleep at night and never look over your shoulder. It's an outstanding point you yeah. just made. Well, thank you for that. But um, is it because it's a rush? Is it because you think you're smarter than everybody else? What's the mm, the psychological motivation? Okay, so so every I was in prison for what? What was it? Fifteen years almost. And everybody I ever met in prison, we all had one thing in common. None of us ever planned on being there when we started. Our yeah. companies got our CPA license, got our law license. Look at Avenatti. Mm-hmm. Nobody ever plans right. on ending up in prison. It's not the rush. It's necessity. It's handling economic pressure wrong, justifying it by saying everybody else does it. Nobody's going to get hurt. If I pay it back, it's okay. How many people do you think that run small businesses that my heart breaks for that had them shut down by no choice of their own that are filling out SBA applications lying and justifying and saying, well, I didn't shut me down. They did. I'm not saying that's right. I'm saying the rationalization and justification to handle economic pressure wrongly is what leads to crime. It's not the rush. You don't want that kind of rush. You don't want to worry about every phone call could be that call saying, we know what you're doing. We've been keeping everybody quiet, trying to control outcomes. No life. It ages you quickly. And it's always by handling economic pressure in a wrong manner. That's what got me twice. So were you do, during the time period when this was going on, were you, like, filled with stress? Or how was it for you yeah. during the time period? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was. Let, let, that was a, a great question. Uh, let me answer it by revealing my medical records to you. I was on Oxycontin and Vicodin probably 10 straight years. Wow. And my art, that's the, in the residential drug treatment program in prison that my judge referred me to, and you have to have a medical documentation while you were out that you were addicted. And I went to rehab secretly twice without even my congregation or church knowing it. I was so addicted. But 325 milligrams of Oxycontin a day just to appease a conscience that was guilt-ridden with living a double life. Now, today I'd be dead. Today I'd be dead because of fentanyl. But back then, you're talking 06, 07, 08, 09, Oxy was not, you know, laced with fentanyl. And, 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 uh, but but the, the kind of drugs I was taking to appease my conscience, quiet my mind down so I could sleep when I had the movie going, I had, uh, you know, the insider trading going, I had an affair, I had a double life, I was preaching... It was a complete cognitive dissonance disaster. What did you think you were, a Catholic priest? Thank you very much. I grew up Catholic. I thought I'd throw that in there. (laughs) Wow. But uh, to your point, I've never understood, and I I have actually asked people who've stolen money from me, you realize that if you had stayed with me the way this turned out, you would have made a lot more money than you stole? And they just look at me like, well, well, that that wasn't even an option. It wasn't even an option for them. It's the thrill of the hunt, I guess. Is that part of it? And I think, you know, that's part of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I think that's a great point you just made. Because we we don't exercise our options and think clearly, trying to meet payroll, waiting, you know, not knowing where the next dollar's going to come from. We turn into desperation survival mode, and then every option is on the table, including the wrong ones. So, right. yeah, you're, you're exactly right. I, um, it's not just that. It's when you do something evil, wrong, duplicitous, and lie to get money, one lie leads to another, to another, yeah. and then you can't have yeah. this guy talk to this guy because you owe that guy money and he doesn't know it, and he, you owe him money. You know, it's crazy. And, and then you hope the board doesn't get the bank statement showing the credit card debt or the loan that you've got that nobody knows about. It's a horrible life to live. The reason I did the docu-series is to prevent everyone or anyone from ever having to go through it by making unwise choices when economic pressure rears its ugly head. Yeah, that makes total sense. Do you remember the very first time you got money and you went, my, that was easy? Was there, was there one time that inspired the whole thing? Sure. I knew, you, you had to ask that, didn't you? 
the mobster, <laughs> there was a mobster, I'll just say his, I'll just say his, I'll just say his first name. He just got out of prison in, I think, 18, and he was the head of the Boston mob. He gave me a brown paper bag with $25,000 cash on Lindley and Sherman Way in 1985. And he says, Barry, you pay the juice. The juice is twelve fifty a week. You keep it as long as you want, but never be late on the juice. Now, listen, I'm 17 years old. I don't know what juice is. I later found out it means interest. But I had my hands on $25,000 cash, and I was 17 years old thinking, how many, and this is 1983, how many 17-year-olds have a company and $25,000 cash? Who cares I got it from the mob? Who cares that I had to sell my soul to get it? I was going to succeed in a how didn't matter. Well, that's probably why what a lot of drug dealers do, think. Yeah, when they're getting into it at thirteen and fourteen. Probably. Yeah. So Barry, I have to ask you: Was that just yeah, the first that, name? Was that, was that guy's first name Kevin? No, Carmen though. Yeah, it was oh, Carmen. was because I know a Kevin from Boston that yeah. got out of prison just a couple of years ago in the same situation. Yeah, no, no, no. This, this is a yeah. And listen, the statute of limitations have run out. Uh, no mobster ever went to prison because of me. That was, by the way, you know Francis, his dad, Sonny Francis. Francis yeah. saved my life in, in, in nineteen eighty. Yeah, I was in prison eighty eight. I'm in Terminal Island. The mob thinks I'm going to tell on him, and Francis oh. gets thrown in the stew with, and, and, and he sends the word out that now Barry's going to trial. Don't worry about it. So he actually saved my life in Terminal Island in maximum security back in nineteen eighty eight by letting everybody know he's going to go to trial. Don't worry, he's not telling on anybody. It's true. Very quick story, Barry. The guy I'm talking about is Kevin Weeks. Of course, mm-hmm. worked with, uh, with our buddy. Yeah. So Kevin, uh, Kevin gets out, and we have him on the podcast. And I said, Kevin, you probably don't remember meeting me, but I met you many, many years ago. I was at a party in New York, and you came down from Boston, New York. You were at the party, and we were talking, and blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden, I saw you on TV one day, and that's what I found out. Uh, what business? How I found out what business you were in, and there was a long pause. And he said the following, Barry: "You ready for this? You probably heard this before." There was a long pause, and Kevin Weeks, who had killed twenty-five or six people, uh, he says to me, "You don't owe me money, do you?" <laughs> I said, "No, no, I do not. No, I do not owe you money." <laughs> Did you have to think for a minute? Barry's laughing. Thanks, Barry. You're laughing at my fright. I appreciate it. <laughs> I think it's a great. I think it's a great story. And then you look back and you think, "Listen, that was the first thing I thought. Can I pay that loan back? I always have nightmares. Yeah, I paid that back. I'm good. I'm good." <laughs> exactly. That's exactly it. We do have to take a break. Do you have another uh, 10, 15 minutes in you? Sure, sure. For you guys, anything you know that. We'll be right back. More with Barry Minko right after this with the family. You all have helped build my pillow into the incredible company it is today and have trusted in Mike Lindell to give you a great night's sleep. Mike's latest incredible deal is on the Giza Dream Sheets, which you've heard me rave about before, that's for sure. These sheets are made from the world's best cotton, Giza. They are ultra soft and breathable, yet extremely durable. Right now, the Giza Dream Sheets at its lowest price ever. These sheets are 60% off, coming in as low as $39.99 with promo code TOM. The 2022 Bloomington Boat Show is here and going on now. Get out of the cold and into a 25,000-square-foot heated showroom at Dan Southside Marine. A huge inventory of boats means the best deals of the year. Get the boat you want rigged the way you wanted it. Over 60 boats on display from Premier, Avalon, Berkshire, Alumacraft, and more. Ask about the new Alumacraft Competitor FSX, the best new fish ski crossover on the market. See the Premier Revolution featuring first-of-its-kind rotational seating or Avalon's new electric VRB, all rigged with motors from Suzuki. Shop a huge inventory of boats inside a heated 25,000-square-foot showroom. The Bloomington Boat Show at Dan Southside Marine. Factory reps will be there, too. Bring the family and explore what's new for 2022 at the Bloomington Boat Show at Dan Southside Marine. Located just six blocks west of 35W on 98th Street in Bloomington, visit bloomingtonboatshow.com. Oh, we don't have other spots there? No, because I'm going to isolate it. So, and that oh, okay. All right. So we are back. What song is this? It's called Blue Angel. Oh, Blue Angel. <laughs> 
Barry Minko, our special guest, ladies and gentlemen. We're just trying to talk about staying out of prison or not getting killed by the mafia and on the East Coast or, you know, all the good things in your life, right? Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty amazing. It's a pretty amazing life. There's no question about that. They're, you know... Isn't that frightening, though, when you realize the person that you're kind of messing with or whether you're just meeting them, messing with them, joking around, and you find out they're, they're a member of the mafia? It gets very uncomfortable. The alleged mafia. But yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Were there people that yeah. you felt like I'll tell you what it really got uncomfortable was one time there's a restaurant. I'll say this with the names and everything. It was called a Michi's Restaurant in 1980. Oh, 586 sure. it was big in LA and they're still around and the owner Nick Amici I went to dinner there and told him kind of what we were doing you know taking Z-Best public whatever four hours later in the middle almost in the middle of the night this had never happened uh, two of the mobsters that I did business with one who was always a great guy his name was Richie Shulman he was, he was a concierge for the five families he was certainly a, a high ranking guy and he was always nice I got in the back of a limo he said, did you go to dinner tonight at Nicomici's? And he pulled out a napkin and he said, this is our deal. He wrote it out for me. I will kill you if you ever open your mouth about our business again. And, and, and I was what? I was 18 or 19 at, 19 at the time and about to go public on Wall Street. And that was the time where everybody was always nice. I was a big earner. I was the goose that laid the golden egg. Everybody loved the whiz kid, the boy wonder. Right. Until I opened my mouth to a guy who I thought was our friend, told him oh. some details because we had always gone to that restaurant, and then I almost got killed for it, and never did I speak again. Wow. Oh, God. I, yeah, that must have been terrifying. That was. That was. And, and by the way, but here's the thing. You need to know this. I went in voluntarily. I'm no innocent dupe or babe in the woods. I went into these relationships knowing that it could cost me my life, but it's just somebody, I think somebody on the show just mentioned, you know, kind of like the drug when kids are 13, 14, they go in the gang life, they know right. they could die, but money's more important. You know, I, I, I could never judge them for that. I have empathy for that kind of thinking. It's wrong, but I did it too, just in a different way and a whole lot earlier in the 80s. So it's the same mentality that uh, success at any price, and it's so very, very sad and, and, and you're right, it is, it is prevalent today. But for me, I was no innocent dupe, and, and uh, it, much to my shame, and, and was voluntarily in these relationships. Were there people along the way that, that supported you or believed in you that you look back and you feel like you totally betrayed them? I'm going to tell you, another, you know, these are, this is probably the three best questions I've had. Uh, absolutely. I'm going to tell you who he is. His name is, he's 93 years old. His name is Dr. Gene French. He was the guy at the church in 97 that hired me. He was the founding pastor. I was the second pastor. Do you know this man? When I was in Lexington, Kentucky, facing another 10 years, I was his hire. So even though I made it 14 years and the church grew, obviously I failed miserably, went to prison, commingling funds, insider trading, drug addiction, affair, uh, brought reproach on the name of Christ. Uh, the, his, you know, they replaced me, and the church is doing fine today. But he reached out to me in Lexington, Kentucky, forgave me. When I came to San Diego to get sentenced, he insisted on seeing me, uh, you know, just kept bothering the chaplain there at, at MCC San Diego, and they refused to let him come see me because he was connected with the cold victims, the, the church. He forgave me, and then after I got sentenced, he helped me write apology letters everybody. I said, I already did that. He goes, they think you did it to get out of prison. Now that you're sentenced, we're going to track down every address of every victim and write them that you're sorry for what you did. And he, this guy is, and I just talked to him yesterday. He's 93 years old. He believed in me always. He still believes in me. I feel like I completely failed him. Yes, I failed my boys, my twin boys. Yes, I failed Lisa. Yes, I failed my church. Uh, but this particular man, the founding pastor of the church uh, stands tall because he forgave me. And i got to tell you something. I have learned in my years, forgiveness doesn't change the world. Forgivers change the world. And I'm so grateful for Dr. Uh, Trent for giving me, as well as my wife and kids. But this was particularly meaningful because um, 
he could have gone the other way. And uh, it was just it's just amazing what he did, and I'm I'm forever grateful. And I so let him down. Hmm. Yeah, and how do you, do you have nights when you wake up in the middle of the night and you feel this deep, deep regret? Can you get rid of that, or is it going to be with you, you think, for the rest of your life? Well, here's what what I want to tell, here's what I want to tell uh, people who are listening who have failed materially. You need to know this. Uh, Here's the good news about the Barry Minko story. They got the right guy. So it isn't like he looted a Macy's, burnt down a police precinct, and then got off, or got out the next day for bail after murder. In both instances, remember the financial crisis of 2008, you can count on one hand how many went to jail. So a lot of times, people perpetrate material fraud and do crime. They never get punished. Not so with me. So knowing that I did two stints in prison, and, and listen, the first bit, I did more time than Milken, Boski, Leona Helmsley combined. The second bit, I did, I did the same amount of time. So listen, it's very important that you know this. When you've done your time, that is significant. The government got up in my sentencing and said the government is satisfied with the 10-year cumulative sentence of Barry Minko in the Lenar and the Church Manor. If they're satisfied, and if you can find forgiveness uh, in, in, in my worldview as a Christian, Christian worldview, and, and so I'm grateful for that. But I think, number one, there's always going to be people that don't like you or don't forgive you. You can't focus right. on those people. I focus on those people that, that I want to help, not follow, follow my footsteps, and those who are hurting, who need a help up and need hope. So I'm just really hyper-focused on, on that particular uh, group of people. So you can't, you listen, there's going to be haters, especially if you fail. Even if you didn't fail, there'd be haters. But how much more when you failed like I did? But I am shocked at how much forgiveness that, that I've received and so grateful for it from former church members, business associates, I have great jobs, family. I am just grateful and blessed, and uh, uh, so uh, no complaints. But and I don't let the haters detract. And I never listen. You'll when you watch that docu series, you'll never hear Barry Minko say a negative thing about anyone, and I never ever criticize anyone. Hmm. So you know it's kind of like C.S. Lewis. He he never uh, responded to his critics, and he never criticized anyone. When you fail, that's got to be your mindset. You got to take it. Life, it's, it's, it, you've got to be able to absorb the punch and the body blows that victims throw, knowing you deserve it, and, and, and just and, and taking it and saying, I understand you're frustrated. That's why I did all that time. I'm trying to make restitution. I wish you nothing but the best, and I'm not trying to convince you otherwise, but I've got to keep it moving and help these people that I've been called to help. There it is, they ladies and gentlemen, King of the... King of the Con, a three-part series that exposes Barry Minko as one of the most unbelievable comment to ever exist. King of the Con, streaming on Discovery Plus, which, by the way, is a great channel. Anyway, I love Discovery Plus. Great outfit. Great outfit. Oh, Barry gone. All right, excellent. I am. Oh, you are. Okay. Barry, thank you very much. I appreciate your time today. Nice talking to you again, sir. And hopefully uh, people will learn don't follow that path. That would be great. I love you guys. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Barry Minko, ladies and gentlemen. M-I-N-K-O-W again on Discovery Plus. Uh, it's on Fridays. And uh, we're in uh, episode, I believe, four coming up on Friday. Just after Alex's birthday. Oh. <laughs> Groundhog I'll Day and birthday coming up on. Oh, that's right. You'll be what? I'm just no, no. I'm like, <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> So you age very well for a white person. No, I look great. I know I look great. Age very well for a white person. That's what he goes with. Age very well for a white person. It's all my Botox for my migraines. right. (laughs) That I get. Just kidding. I'll be 33. I still can't believe my baby girl's 33 and my baby boy's 35. What the hell is that? Mm -hmm. Andy's never been a baby boy in his life. Yeah, I remember when When Andy was a baby, he was still an old Jewish man. (laughs) (laughs) Born with a receding hairline. Not just an old man, an old Jewish man. My oldest boy is Larry David. I'm not kidding. (laughs) And he makes me laugh all the time. No, you're right. Don't think he's not Larry David, but. (laughs) Well, back in the day, back in the day when we lived in Golden Valley, Andy uh, on his bedroom door. 
had a shalom sign. <laughs> I bought shalom. that for him. I think you he did. still has that mm-hmm. somewhere. Does he really? I bought it yeah, he, he didn't even protest. We put it up as a joke. And we're like, we bought something thinking we're so funny. And we show it to him and he just, he kind of gets that weird little half grin he gets. He's like, yeah, I see it. Like, that, I check, see that checks out. Right. That checks out. <laughs> it fits. Hilarious. Yeah, I bought that uh, for him at Festival of Nations. Oh, <laughs> is that the thing that's over in like the... Excellent. I remember going... I remember going there as like a field trip in mm-hmm. school oh, yeah. and like oh, yeah. in the Italian booth mm-hmm. where you get yeah. authentic Italian pizza. I peeked my head around the corner and there was a stack of like Domino's boxes mm-hmm. up to the ceiling. <laughs> Are you saying that Domino's isn't authentic I've Italian never pizza? Been more disappointed. It used to be yeah. in Roy Wilkins. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah the, the oh, really? I played, oh, yeah. I played a chess master. You know where the, you yeah. sit around a table mm-hmm. and they zip around? Mm-hmm. And the guy's going around. He stopped and stared at my board for like two seconds. Hey. So I actually, I actually slowed him happening? down. <laughs> <laughs> I did something that made him go, I don't know what the hell this guy. What, what? is happening <laughs> This is his first game. And then he crushed me like everyone else. Well, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, that'll happen. Mm-hmm. No, what does this mean? I just read the headline. Omicron amps up concerns about long COVID and causes. What, what is this now? Do we need to have mm-hmm. a disclaimer? That we I have was a to say, is COVID, Joe Rogan co- Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh my God. Did we you hear that Joni, talk about that? Joni what? Mitchell's involved in it now. Oh, yeah. Oh, in, uh, oh lots of artists are, t- are, are, in, are into it now. Which it's like, well, what does this mean for podcasting? If, uh, if you right. talk to somebody that right. the glitterati doesn't like, well, okay. Are, I think is that a little it? bit more I don't know that, if I call Neil. I, I think he, he's made Johnny himself Mitchell. kind of a focal point. And, yeah. you know, and he's yeah. got a response. And that's the that's the market. That's mm-hmm. what everybody wants for free market until they don't want it. Because yeah. it's okay. something that they like. Well, and his, well see, this okay. is what's interesting. People went to podcasting because mm-hmm. they were tired of trying to sift through what is a real thing in mainstream media. So freedom of speech and co- and comedians and and all kinds of artists and things were going to podcasting so they could say what they wanted to, and not have to be censored or whatever. And now it's like, okay, wait, now you're being censored again. What does this mean for podcasting? Does that mean that if you don't, are there going to be acceptable things that you get to talk well, but, about? And and if you do talk about it, you have to talk about it in one way. Mom, you have to realize that it's not. Spotify is not like he's spreading false information. It's two old singers. Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh no, it's it's not. So it's, n- they, but I mean, whoever it, it's a bunch of random people essentially that have an opinion, and they're like, I don't want my music on Spotify if he's on Spotify, and so they're like, bye. Right. Hey, Meghan Markle wants he, off of Spotify, but they don't want to give the money back. Well, that's not how it works. <laughs> yeah. that's not, I, yeah. love that. I hate to break that, it to you. I mean, so it's, it's more than just a couple of old, uh, you know, know that Meghan Markle hippie was rock and rollers on. that used to sing right. about freedom. I yeah, mm-hmm. I know. The yeah. I saw Joni Mitchell. I was like, Joni Mitchell. Yeah, really? Right? Mm-hmm. Like, what? I don't know. And I, Spotify's like, with them, is like, see ya, because he right. earns them oh, way absolutely. more money. Absolutely. Like, Joni Mitchell oh, earns Spotify, like, pocket change. I couldn't point to, out yeah. Joni Mitchell if she was sitting at the end of the table. No, no I yeah. wouldn't either. <clears throat> well, now, I, I don't know. <laughs> but I do have a question for her in that, that same thing. He had both pro and con vaccine people on. Well, if you mm-hmm. offer both opinions, that's bad. Well, and that's, I don't, I don't get it. think that's the issue, though. The, the what issue, is the issue? He's become... He's become a, a focal point for a certain position. He's been the focal point of taking horse pills or right. horse he has a he lot took of ivermectin. And there's people who disagree with it, and that's yeah. their choice to do what they want with their money and their time. That's and it's just the way it works yeah. economically. He is, he is, yeah, he is very influential person, obviously, and so that's when he starts talking about experimental health things. You don't want a run of people taking yeah, stuff. Yeah. No, and so it's like the, I think at most Spotify just has to put like a. Hey, this not everything in here is fact checked in that this that the yeah other they thing, already just put so they that cover up their actually. own ass mm-hmm. yeah yeah yep, they already put that up well I, who in their right mind would think that Joe Rogan was a health expert yeah. Yeah. he was he speaking to a health expert and asking him questions like he right he used that's, to watch people eat like you know. horse testicles on Fear Factor mm-hmm. yeah. the guy you're I know. Yeah. that's right yeah, yeah. well he also sports a lot of like nutritional supplements mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff so people do look to Joe Rogan for medical advice for fitness for because like mm-hmm. he likes to lift weights. Right. <laughs> but, and he's not even like he doesn't look like a very fit 
person. Like he's not like he's some like whatever, you're right over he's, the top kind of model right. yeah. of yeah. Well, of he's like five fitness. five. He's right. not even that yeah. tall. He's but um, yeah, I mean, so I, I'm assuming if he's t- telling people on his podcast medical advice, especially with COVID, that can be a dangerous thing because mm-hmm. people have to realize when you have that huge of a following, you have a responsibility. Yeah. Okay. Well, and, what I, from uh, he wasn't. He was yeah, just I'm, interviewing that <clears throat> Dr. Malone. Mm-hmm. He just was interviewing him, and he was asking questions. Yeah, Dr. Yeah. Malone. He wasn't the... saying Dr. Malone is right. You can only listen to Dr. Malone. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, that's the thing. I mean, that's it's a th- confusing. It was a three-hour interview, so of course you can lift one sentence or two sentences mm-hmm. to back up any sort of claim yeah, like about ev- what he said. Every person we've ever had on this podcast, have we agreed with them? No. no. Mm-hmm. And it's like especially I'm, Michael Bryan. I wa- yeah, yeah. Michael Bryan. <laughs> That's why I come on most of the time. <laughs> That's why I come on. I'm, I'm wondering right what it is. Is there are there quotes that people are like he said this and this is dangerous? Like what is it well, exactly? Because I'm just hearing mm-hmm. that he's spreading misinformation, right. and it's like, but what is it? Yeah. What did he well, say? That's it's the all scary on, thing. It's recorded. It's on there. Right, and I wonder if he like pissed somebody off, like off air, did yeah, something, and I now he's his, whatever. Like his response, his response was that I will do my best to make sure I research these topics, try harder to get people with different opinions on my show, which reached an estimated twelve million. So, uh, his response was that I'm going to do more research and I'm going to try to get another side. So, right. I would suggest that he at least recognizes, yeah. and he has become a focal point for the use of I, I think it's the horse medicine or whatever. Ivermectin, mm-hmm. which stuff. actually yeah, wasn't, isn't just a horse medicine. Well, I know, but that's easy a way to describe right. it. And, <laughs> you know. It makes him sound bad if you say horse medicine. Right. No, I, I, it might work if it's a miracle cure and it gets rid of this. That would be awesome. Yeah. But I don't um, think it does. But I don't know. I'm not a freaking doctor. Well, I mean, like know? when I had COVID, I did a whole bunch of hippy dippy shit to mm-hmm. get rid of it that I'm like, if someone wants to know what I did, here you go. I'll tell you. But mm-hmm. I'm not saying, like, everybody should do this. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't know. Maybe it wouldn't. I don't know. Right. I don't know. And he, so he reaches more people than all of the major news networks. Like, oh, his listenership is, yeah, he's like. He's the gold standard of pod. No offense, yeah. Tom. But he's, like, <laughs> <laughs> the gold standard He doesn't of have Tevin on. How can he be that? Yeah, that, yeah. Is true. that is be true. Racist joke? That thing of a deal. Yeah, listen to that. Yeah. He's going to be black people on. He's a racist. Oh, no, he has, t- no, he he has, has tons he has of black people on. I know yeah. he does. I just thought I'd throw he it He never up. had LA I don't, don't want to spread any misinformation about Joe Rogan. Like, yeah. And the thing is, he has he has controversial people on his podcast. Mm-hmm. Like, he just had, I think, a four-hour episode of a Google whistleblower. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he did. Mm-hmm. About how they're like, if you have a Google phone, it's always listening to you. Of course. 100% mm-hmm. of the time. Even if you turn it off, it's still listening to you. Hey, Tom, how you doing? Yeah, they're like, the moment that you turn, if you take your SIM card out, it's still listening to you oh, and all this yeah. stuff. And so, yeah, he's like, if you have, it's it Android? Is that yeah, what Android Google is? Yeah, yeah. The they're like, you, no matter what, it is still, the only thing that you can do is absolutely destroy it. And that's and it's still well, listening. It's still somehow <laughs> listening. This morning, Dave started watching this documentary called "The Social Dilemma," and it yeah. talks mm-hmm. exactly oh, about that. So about I'm going to go back yeah. and watch the whole thing. It's but, an yeah. interesting, yeah, yeah, just to see like all these algorithms and how they'll they make you addicted to your phone. Oh, 100%. It's weird. Yeah, it's wild. Ugh. But anyway, so he has controversial people on his podcast. Like Joe Malone was like one of the guys that made the mRNA vaccine. And then now he's like, mm, it's not great. Like, it's I don't love it. Like, don't give it to your kids, all this stuff. Right. But he's right. being controversial because everybody's hoping that it's going to save us all. And he's like, don't give this to your children. But it's like, shouldn't we maybe listen to him because he helped make it? No? Okay. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It's just, like, weird that people are so against him, who is obviously an expert on the topic, mm-hmm. right. and they're mad about him not liking it. Right. And, well, like, and just, I think it's also, like, a grand scheme of, like, people just aren't open-minded to just yeah. taking in information and yeah. then just leaving it at that. Like, yes. okay, here's what they're saying, and now let's try to formulate an opinion. It's like, you're calling be, me a bad right, parent be because I gave my side. child the COVID vaccine, right. and if they get cancer, it's my fault. I hate Joe Rogan. It's well, like, what? 11 million people <laughs> listening to him, so, but, you know, he, yeah, he'll like, be fine. People are going right. to get mad. Oh, yeah, he's not, he's not gonna, gonna, yeah. You can't make everybody happy. Nope. Well, and why is it okay sure. for someone like Howard Stern to say that, you know, people that are unvaccinated should all die? 
No, but it's not shot. okay. Should there be are shot. people attacking. <laughs> and, well, nobody throws a huge fit and says, "I'm going to go off you, of whatever." What is he on? You don't. You don't I see the, the people that, that are taking him. Yeah, whatever he he's on is why. Yeah, yeah nobody is like. There are, but there are him. people throwing huge fits yeah. about him. Well, I mean, that was are? a big issue. Well, I think what he said was is that if you're unvaccinated and you contract COVID, you should not be treated at a hospital. Yep. That's basically. I have a relative that thinks like, or you have to pay out of pocket. Yep. Why? Well, the issue is, is is the number of beds, and if there's an actual issue where okay. someone gets a bed, I'm I'm not saying that it's yeah, the yeah, right, right way. I know, but and, like, and personally, I want people to get helped. Mm-hmm. But there's an idea that comes along that says these people can't get surgery, or I have a person who's in a car collision and they can't get into the emergency room in St. Cloud because it's filled with unvaccinated people laying in these in yeah. these beds. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a question. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know, they're but still the, human, but and they I absolutely agree. Yeah. And at the same time, it's like okay, so anybody that smokes shouldn't be treated. That, right. Anybody right. that's obese yep. shouldn't be treated. Right. Anybody yeah, well, that's suicidal shouldn't if, be treated. If the hospitals fill up with everybody who doesn't smoke or smokes, or if the hospitals fill up with everybody who's fat all at once, yeah. then that might come up as an issue. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you've that's got this giant increase. Overwhelming. I know the problem is, where do you draw the line? Cloud Hospital got to talk to about the numbers. You know, you you can bring them in and they'll tell you exactly what the numbers are and they're the real numbers they're not making it up and they're not people that are you know have a certain agenda that are coming in because most part i used to disagree with them mostly but you know they're indicating the numbers in st cloud are mostly unvaccinated people that are all taking up the beds that's the issue yeah but i have also heard that up to six this is from a government official that mm-hmm. up to sixty five percent of the people that are in the hospital don't really have COVID. They just say they. Well, do. bring the guy on and ask him that. Yeah, and he'll yeah. tell it you is, what these I people. Agree. It is interesting though, because like I don't. I mean, and I don't know how much of this there actually is, but I have a friend whose husband just went to the hospital with cellulitis. Okay. And he had COVID twenty four days ago. They tested him. He's still positive. He's one of those people that it just still is in oh, the system. Yeah. Whatever. Yep. <clears throat> Although he's not contagious anymore. And he's has not had any symptoms in a long time, <clears throat> but he's he was unvaccinated, had COVID. It was not a big deal for him, and now he's in the hospital with cellulitis. But now he was qualified as somebody who was hospitalized, unvaccinated with COVID. Right. Even though he wasn't at <coughs> so hospital for up. COVID. Yeah, it's like, how does this make any bring, sense? Bring the guy on who does that. And ask yeah. him. That's... Well, and like his doctor was like, oh, you have a fever? It probably is because of your COVID. And he was like, no, I have a fever because I have a raging infection. It's like, yeah. <laughs> what? I don't know. It's just weird how some places, and again, I don't know how much of this there is. I'm not saying that it's like hospitals are filled with fake COVID. Like, that's not mm-hmm. what I think. But it is, it's weird that I now personally know somebody that's like, oh, he's an unvaccinated COVID person that was in hospitalized for COVID, even though he wasn't well was there for cellulitis I, I just recently had an er visit due to um i have my autoimmune issues and a lot of people that i saw that were coming in there they were coming in for covid but their symptoms were so mild but people think they need to go mm, to the right, er because if they have COVID. Yeah. and it's like no there's nothing they can really do for you mm-hmm. unless you need a ventilator or mm-hmm. oxygen yeah, steroids mm-hmm. or just, something like and I, Every like person around me, that, and I didn't even get a bed. I got a recliner. That's yeah. what I got. Ooh, and, recliner! <laughs> right? I love a recliner. And uh, um, but yeah, they were just like, oh, just you know, rest, blah blah blah, do all these things. So it's like that is also taking up a lot of time in ERs mm-hmm. too for mm-hmm. people that are going there because they have COVID, yep. thinking that's what they have to do. That's the same thing yeah, that I, he said too. He was like, I just I was in the I was treated in the waiting room the entire time, or like they'd take him back, run a test send it back to the waiting room and he's like that's what they were doing with everybody and everybody in there had i mean most people were in there because of covid and he's like mm-hmm. they barely seemed sick right yeah. but they all were like we have yeah. to be at the hospital I know. if it's your like, symptoms are like lo- low enough where yeah. you can be treated from the waiting room like, but yeah like probably <laughs> don't go mm-hmm. don't go well i i had know two women that got covid and they were pretty they were pretty darn sick mm-hmm. and yep. they said both of them said i went to the doctor because I had myself so freaked out. Because mm-hmm. I really did feel terrible. And about day five, I was like, oh, my God, I, I, this is going to kill me. I just know it's going to kill me. And so they, they went to the doctor, and uh, one of them received um, electrolytes or something. 
Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the other one was like, there's nothing we can do for you. You need to just go home. And let yeah. This, yeah. yeah. You're not. The kid's a virus. Yeah. So, yeah. And both of them and, afterwards, oh they both said, oh, if I hadn't gotten myself so freaked out about it. Yeah. Right. Well, mm-hmm. but the thing with COVID, it's like, yes, if you're told for two years, almost right. every single day. And everything that you hear about it mostly is how dangerous we and horrible literally had a COVID death is. counter on yeah like everybody every was just staring yeah. at how many people it was killing and right. it's like you know when you're told this for two straight years constantly yeah you're gonna be freaked out I mean even when I got it at first I was like oh my gosh I have COVID this even might though be I it. even though I literally tried to give myself COVID like I found out the stage had it and I was like drink out of my water bottle give me a big <laughs> smooch like let's get this over with yeah. but then like the first the like I you know, finally realized I had it, and then I was like, oh, my God, I have COVID. And then it was like, okay, calm down. It's just yeah. because of all mm-hmm. of the well, being told how horrible it is. And I know, then it right, wasn't horrible at all. Right now, I had two kids <laughs> down with COVID. Yeah. Um, one of them had symptoms, you know, like a bad head cold, wasn't mm-hmm. terrible. My other son, though, he was asymptomatic, and he's still testing positive. Mm-hmm. So, Because you can test positive for, yep. I mean, this guy, he had it 25 yeah. days ago, yeah. and he still is testing positive. Yeah. And so they're like, I I spoke to somebody, and they were like, don't, don't test when we got our tests. Mm-hmm. They're like, once you test positive, quarantine for five days, wear a mask everywhere you go for five days. Yep. Just don't test anymore, though, after that, because it's you're fine. Yeah, because you, you can test positive for months. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they're like, yeah, and you'll leave tests available for people that need to know if they actually have it. Yeah, mm-hmm. instead yeah. of instead of people buying, you know, <clears throat> fifty tests. Yeah, and constantly checking themselves. Oh. Mm-hmm. I mean, there gets to be a point where this is, you know, a little pathological. Yeah. And have we heard like, especially like in Minneapolis or in New York, where you need places or where you'd like to go out, you need a negative test? Like, have there been shortages on tests that anybody's have? Dan just went to a Timberwolves game last night, and they went out to dinner beforehand, and he's like, the restaurant that we went to wasn't checking anybody's vaccine cards or tests, but at the Timberwolves game, he just showed the ticket guy his negative test, and he was like, he didn't even look at the date, he just saw the negative and was like, bye. Didn't check his ID. Right. Like, the people that are working there, they're not... They don't yeah, they care don't enough care. to check no. everything. Every, every restaurant in L.A., we had to show our card and ID. Oh, really? Yeah. So when I was in every New York, we went. they had yeah. an app that you uploaded a picture of your ID and yeah. your vaccine card and had to yep. yeah, show. But we had to show the ID with it and the whole thing, and yeah, they checked them. Yeah, but a lot of places in Minneapolis and St. Paul, I guess, were like, we're not actually going to do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, And I heard that like the city's doing stings like they would do with like alcohol. <clears throat> yeah. So like, if oh, you they're cigarettes? Like, yeah, they're like, <laughs> send a group of people in, and then I guess like the fine is technically, it's not like a, okay, you didn't carding by we're going to slap you with a $500 fine. It's like yeah. per person that you didn't no. ID or card vaccine card, oh, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, I'm there just not going to go. Out. Oh, wait. No, I have to go to Minneapolis next. I watched these three guys come up, get turned away because they didn't have their cards and started screaming all these things about them being Nazis and all these things. Well, that's what I plan to do. But it's just a poor guy at the front door that's just the guy doing his job. It's like, are you you? You know, it's like, I understand you don't like it, but come on. It's not this guy's fault. I know that you is know? ridiculous when it's like these people are just going. It's like okay, you've you've displaced your anger on this poor. So I just pointed out to him the Nazis might have just shot him there. Yeah, right. and that would have solved the problem. Might've. They didn't like that answer. They definitely would have. So I know okay. it's amazing how this is being compared to the Holocaust so much. It's like mm-hmm. okay, <laughs> right. relax. Yeah. It's not even close. Yeah. All right, Wally's up next. <laughs> <laughs> What time is it? Like three in the afternoon? Yeah, it's two twelve fourteen. We'll take a break. Be right back with hour two.